Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. My name is Peter Klein. Uh, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can email the show CouchPotatoDiary at yahoo.com. Uh, took a break yesterday after a busy weekend. Uh, was on Game Over on Saturday. Um, was on 3Down Nation in uh, typed out form after the Ryder game on Friday and was on Flow Hockey covering uh, some U18 stuff out here in Okotoks um, on Sunday. So decided to take yesterday off, but we're still going to get five podcasts this week uh, with a couple of them coming out today. Uh, on this part one, we are going to look at a tough loss for the Calgary Flames over the Washington Capitals, the baseball postseason in full swing, uh, some early UFC storylines, and we will continue our NBA preview, taking accountability for the picks we made a year ago. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, share the video, subscribe, like, leave a comment, and if you're listening in podcast form, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you can. All right, let's get into this one, talking some hockey. The Calgary Flames blow a 2-0 lead, falling to the Washington Capitals on Monday night. 3-2, the final after a shootout. So the Flames now 1-1-1 to start the year. And this one, there's no way around it. This is a tough loss for the Calgary Flames to, to take. You have a 2-0 lead. Um, they got the first 13 shots of the game. They had 18 of the first 21 and 18 of the 21 shots that happened in the first period. And then in the second period, just a bit of a breakdown. Gilbert pinches. There isn't really anyone back to, to help support. It lets Washington come out with a, a bit of an odd man rush like Rzichka's there, but he's not really there. Um, and Sonny Milano finds Matthew Phillips, of all people, who gets his first career NHL goal. And from there, I don't want to say, oh, and the, the my how the turntables and Washington completely controlled the game after that because the Flames were still fine. Um, but that one was a real like the, the Flames, I felt, had a chance to maybe have a bit of a foot on the throat moment and then didn't capitalize um, in, in any way. And so because of that, they fall in this game um, three to two. But this was a great showing um, for this team to, to start. But when you have Milano, who was on the Flames as a PTO, but then Matthew Phillips, who didn't get a crack with the Flames last year, leaves um, for, for Washington and comes up with a, a big goal, then that is an absolute backbreaker for this hockey club. Um, like, it, it just, for lack of a better term, it just feels bad. You know, it's just a bit of like a, oh, of course that was going to happen. For Matthew Phillips, you're excited, right? Like he did not get the opportunity that he probably should have with the Flames last season, um, comes in this year and gets a, a goal for, for Washington. So like, I don't know if this is one that they're going to, to rue the day for forever. It's a different administration now. We, we all kind of agreed Daryl Sutter sucked. Um, and it, it was totally understandable that that Matthew Phillips wanted to, to be out of there. But after that, you just you would like to see this version, like who was left on the Flames, finish a little bit more. Like I said, they had an 18-3 shot edge. They had the first 13 shots of the game. And then like it's it's weird to be disappointed by being up 2-0, but you're kind of disappointed that they were only up 2-0. And this is where it kind of comes back to haunt you, right? Like you just, you have that much control over a game, but one, one little misstep, one little bounce. And then all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden a McMichael shot bounces in off of a skate and the game is tied. A game that you felt like you were in complete control of is tied. And so that this is one of the things we were talking about coming into the season. Where are the goals coming from? 34 of them walked out of the door last year with Tyler Toffoli on a team that already felt behind scoring. And so... 
Yes, it's great. Matthew, uh, Matt Coronado feels like he's going to have a real impact on this team. Um, you shouldn't just be relying on him and Sharon Govich, a couple of kids in their early 20s. Like, oh yeah, no, they'll, they'll be the ones to, to get it back up and going. This team needs a bit more finish um, if they want to compete in the ways that I think a lot of people want them to compete. Uh, they get five the first night, so it, it's, you know, there, there's a little bit there. But I think as we are seeing now, there needs to be a bit more scoring touch on this team for them to be a, a real threat, in my opinion. One player who did stand out for the Flames in this last one was Dylan Dubé, and I kind of talked about him on the game over Calgary that I was on after Saturday night's game um, against the, the Pittsburgh Penguins. He just kind of feels like he's there sometimes. But on Monday, you got the exact version of Dylan Dubé that you would want to get. Um, he made a couple of strong plays defensively, but then offensively, he goes back behind the goal, wins a puck, helps keep it alive on the power play, goes right to the front of the net, tip scores. Like, he he's not a huge guy, but he is someone who can play a bit more of a, a rugged style, and th those are the types of things you want to see from him. Go in there, help out with puck retrieval, be very difficult to play against, and score some dirty goals, while also helping out defense that is the Dylan Dubé this Calgary Flames team needs. Um, I don't know if it's one that's going to get him on a first or second line, but if you have him with, um, whether it's Kadri and Rosichka or whether it's Backlund and Coleman, those are going to be valuable, valuable plays for Dylan Dubé to continue to get ice time with this team and continue to make an impact with the Calgary Flames. Um, mentioned him before, but another good game for, for Matt Coronado. He comes up with a, a nice back check to, to create a steal that stops a, a breakout for Washington and creates a bit more zone time. It's just, it's he seems already to be doing all of those little things, right? Like, his awareness in the offensive end, great. Um, I, I don't think he's going to get many Selkie votes in his career, but he is someone who I think is going to be able to, to go out, have those hustle plays, the effort plays that at least get in the way defend, uh, of the other team when you're on defense. And that's kind of all you can ask for. It just feels like each game you see Matt Coronado play, there's another little thing that he does that contributes to winning. And those are the, the types of things you absolutely love to see from your young players. Um, another positive, I think it kind of felt like a, a bit more of an improved game defensively for the Flames. That It seemed like there was a bit more structure to, to their game. There was a little bit less running around like chickens with their, their heads cut off. And this is something I, I talked about again on Game Over on Saturday. Everything here is new, right? Uh, Daryl Sutter is out and they wanted to get as far away from Daryl Sutter hockey as possible. So, there's going to be a bit of a change. And one of the things that's going to take the longest is defensive systems. And I think this is still something that's going to improve as the season goes along. And so I, I think Jacob Markstrom is a, a big ad for fantasy football, or for fantasy hockey, sorry. But I think that this is going to be a Flames team that is going to be competitive defensively all season long. So, uh, a frustrating loss, a disappointing loss, but not a backbreaker by any stretch of the imagination. We'll see if the Flames can bounce back on Thursday. While the season is just beginning in hockey, it's winding down in baseball, and we have had a fun postseason to talk about so far. We have to begin our baseball talk with the Texas Rangers. They are on fire right now. Um, and it's everything, right? Like, this team, you know this team is capable of hitting the hell out of the baseball. But... It's the pitching that that has really stepped up, or has been the difference anyway, over the, the first couple of games of this series. Um, you go to game one, and um, 
just a, a phenomenal, pheno sorry, I was reading my hockey notes and I was like, I don't think they blew a 2-0 lead. Um, we've moved on, Peter, down the page a little bit. Um, yeah, the, the pitching has come up big and it's the, the additions that have come up big, right? You look at game one, it's Jordan Montgomery who comes in and is just brilliant through six and a third shutout. He retired, I believe, the last eight batters that he faced. Um, just a, a, a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant showing from Jordan Montgomery. And look, from we, we talk about the Yankees a fair amount on this podcast. You look at it from a Yankee perspective. That has to be a real downer. That you went out and traded, um, acquired Harrison Bader, a guy who ended up on waivers. And you give up a pitcher who is not only pitching in meaningful games, but thriving in the exact situations that basically every Yankee pitcher save for Garrett Cole has struggled in over the last few years. When pitching was a real need for this Yankee team, Jordan Montgomery is off doing that now with the, the Texas Rangers after being moved from the, the St. Louis Cardinals. But it, it was just, it was an excellent performance. And then in game two, Ivaldi dances with danger, but, but he comes out of it. Um, Montgomery, I don't want to say was available to everyone, but that's a, a tough loss for the Yankees to take. Ivaldi kind of was available for everyone. He goes to Texas and it's those big free agent moves that have really paid off. Seager was an MVP candidate this year. Simeon's one of the best leadoff men in the league. And then Montgomery and, and Ivaldi coming up with big time performances in this postseason. But it's not just these guys, like the, these big names, they are getting hits up and down the order right now. Heim hit the hell out of a ball. Um, Leotis Tavares from the nine slot, three for three with a home run in, in game one, and then a big defensive play in game two. Carter with a couple of big defensive plays out in left field in game one for the, the Rangers. They are getting contributions all over the diamond, up and down the lineup right now, and that is making this Texas Rangers team look very difficult to beat. That being said, I... A lot of money has been lost, counting that the Houston Astros out. Um, they have made some real hard contact in these first couple of games. You, you look at just the first inning of game one, where the, the Rangers have the lead. I believe they had a first inning lead. But then Altuve hits one to the wall. Bregman hits one to the wall. Um, Alvarez goes down, down swinging. But th there has been some hard contact, specifically from the top of the, this Houston Astros order. And with Jordan Alvarez hitting the way that he has been hitting so far th this postseason... It, it's very difficult to count the Houston Astros out right now. Moving to the National League, the Philadelphia Phillies have the best vibes of any baseball team right now. Um, like, this team is what everyone wants to think that 93 team was, or what everyone at the time wanted to think that 93 team was, where, like, it, it, it's just a bunch of dudes with beards just hitting dingers, man. Um, Kyle Schwarber jumping all over the first pitch, and it, they're... They're just not squeaking over the fence. These guys are hitting majestic bombs that are creating these highlight reel moments. Bryce Harper is as locked in in October as any hitter we, we've seen in a while. Uh, like I said, Schwarber, Castellanos, five home runs in, in three games played. This team is just absolutely mashing. But again, it's not just the mashing. They get a strong performance from Zach Wheeler in, in game one, where I believe at one point he had retired 12 in a row. The fastball was working. The breaking ball was filthy. Um... This is just, again, this is a team that has everything rolling. You saw some of the downsides to, to how they've constructed this team in game one. They take a 5-0 lead, the, the, the Diamondbacks start to come back, and then it's a defensive miscue. Now, it's a defensive miscue mainly from a pitcher, but 
this team has a couple of elite defenders. Um, uh, elite might be a bit of a stretch, but above average defenders at third and at second. But there's a lot of ooh, around this diamond, and whew, we, um, we we get a glimpse of how that can backfire. Where, like I said, it was five to two. And then a ground ball right back to the pitcher, um, and Dominguez sends it into center field. It's one defensive miscue in the postseason, and all of a sudden, the tying run is coming to play for the Diamondbacks. Now, the, the Phillies do get out of it, but it, it was a, a tense situation. So the, the Phillies are absolutely riding that lightning bolt right now, and that's why Arizona is still 100% in it. But you, you see with Arizona, uh, it, it's a great story, and they bashed in the diamond or the, the Dodgers in the American National League Division series but I just don't think this lineup stacks up in a slugging contest with the Phillies like if they want to keep doing that the Phillies would much obliged you know um this is a team that needs to get better performances out of guys like Zach Gallen. Um, I don't think it was necessarily his fault, although that Bryce Harper pitch was basically, like, I don't know what it is about Bryce Harper getting essentially BP fastballs in the postseason, but he does not miss when he gets them. Um, and that, that's been absolutely on full display. But um, that's a, it's a tough one for Arizona when you have one of your, your aces on the mound, knowing that you're going to have to face Aaron Nola in game two. She comes up on you quick, so we will see what they do. But the, the baseball playoffs have been a blast so far, again, except for the Blue Jays. And look, like, as a, a Blue Jays fan, um, it has been tough to watch this and not watch it from a Blue Jays perspective. And they went out and absolutely gave up some hitting to, to try to get some defense. And we talked before about the, the perils of a, a poor defensive club, but... You see how all, a lot of these runs are being scored. It's not a lot of like, oh, wow, five hits in the inning. It's th three hits in the inning, but two of them are home runs, you know? Um, the, the pitchers in baseball are so good, you can't just string a bunch of singles together and try to, to do it. The, the Astros got hits from seven, eight, nine with two out, and then Maldonado go, is out to end the inning. Um, th there are just so many opportunities that go wasted because there's excellent starting pitching in this postseason. The Blue Jays need some absolute bashers now if they're want, uh, wanting to compete in October. Speaking of bashers, it's time to talk some UFC as it's a UFC fight week um, out in, uh, I believe it's out in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> UFC 294 this weekend, and it is shaping up to be a phenomenal card. You look at um, everything that's kind of on the line here this weekend. Um, it, it goes from like a couple interesting fights. There's fighters that I'm interested in anyway, to now two fights at the top of the card that make this one of the most interesting fight cards of the year for the, the UFC until next month when John Jones is kind of the same thing. Um... All that's up for grabs here is the light heavyweight, or sorry, the lightweight championship of the world and pound for pound number one as Islam Makhachev goes up against um, Alex Volkanovsky for rounds six through ten potentially after a, a spirited bout in their first one. Um, the first one was for the pound for pound number one spot. Nothing has changed um, in between now and then. These two are absolutely going to be competing for who is the, the best mixed martial artist alive, or uh, currently going right now. It's 
it's going to be so intriguing to see the adjustments that have been made. Um, how does each fighter react to the last fight? I think if Makashev comes into this fight just thinking, yeah, I won. What do I have to change? That's going to be a real issue because Volkanovski, A, I think won that fight, um, and B, is always growing, always evolving. But how does his hand injury play into things? Um, coming off of hand surgery three months ago, taking this fight on two weeks, he does not strike me as a fellow who gets out of shape, but um, what type of fight shape is he in? What has he been training? What is still bothering him? Going to be really interesting. And then a huge fight of middleweight, essentially a title eliminator, um, where you have Hamzat Chemaev taking on Kamaro Usman, and the winner will likely get a shot at Sean Strickland. And so many intriguing aspects of this. Um, one of the advantages I think Kamaro would have had at 170 is he's much more comfortable making that. Hamzat has to kind of drain himself. Now they go up to 185, that feels more like Hamzat's world. So I I'm so intrigued by this bout at 185 pounds. I, I saw someone on, on social media say, could you imagine trying to explain to someone two years ago that Hamza Chemaev is going to be facing Kamaru Usman for a shot at Sean Strickland? Like, that whole sentence just seems wild, but it is another indication of how quickly things can change in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. But overall, like I said, this feels, at least early on this week, um, this feels like one of the biggest fight cards of the year. So, those are your early UFC 294 storylines. Now, let's continue with our NBA preview with another look back at last season. All right, not going to run through every team um, like we did on the, the, the hockey one. I found that one a, a little tedious. So just going to, to come out and kind of focus on a few here. Um, overall on NBA picks last year, we went 16 and 13. The Charlotte Hornets um, were unavailable as we did not know the status. I believe it was Lonzo Ball at the time. So their win total was not available to us. Um, the first one that comes to mind, though, is uh, the Chicago Bulls. We went over 40 and a half on Chicago. They finished 40 and 42. So some frustration there, looking at the, the the Chicago Bulls season. But I was looking at like how where did we go wrong on on some of these? And like we said, like I said, we had a winning year, sixteen and thirteen. We will we will take that. Um, the the East, I underestimated a couple of teams. Like I, I underestimated Boston. I thought Brooklyn would be able to to stay together for the kids. They didn't. Um, I underestimated the Knicks a little bit, but felt pretty bang on on a couple of the the the, the lower teams improving uh, a little bit was off on on Detroit that one's going to be a tough one for this year but for the west i don't think i appreciated how few wins would be there for even the top teams was right with an over on denver was right with an over on memphis but i think one of the lessons i'm going to take into this season now is how um much of a gauntlet this whole West is. You know, like, you, you think of last year, like, oh, yeah, the Lakers made it to the NBA Finals. The, the, the Warriors were in the second round. Both of them went under. Um, I picked over 51.5 on Golden State. They went well under that. I went under 45.5 for the Lakers. That When I was going through it, it's like, oh, well, that's going to be an L. And then you look at the standings. Oh, I got that one by a couple of games. The West is going to be so close this year, and there are going to be so many, or there are so many good teams all just kind of stacked into the middle. It's gonna. There aren't going to be four teams that get fifty wins or anything like that this year. There's going to be a lot of. There's going to be a lot of teams at 47, 46, 45, 44, 43 in that mix, and it, it just it really does show what the West is going to be. So um, that was one of the lessons, or I think the main lesson I took from this last year. It's I am really going to be a bit more mindful of what I think the West is actually going to look like. And the the lesson is 
it's going to be really tough on a night-in, night-out basis in the Western Conference. There's going to be good teams missing the playoffs in the West this season. One thing that I did last year that I can't do this year, I don't think, is really go hard on the bad teams. Like, I went under 24 and a half on the Indiana Pacers. I went uh, under 23 and a half on San Antonio. Went under 25 and a half on the Utah Jazz. Um, teams are always going to be motivated to tank, shall we say. But I, I do think that for, for this season, with no Wemby, um, I don't think it's going to be as aggressive as I thought it was going to be a year ago. And so one of the things I was really focused on last year was trying to take advantage of the bad teams this year. Um, we're still going to try to do that, but I'm not going to be as aggressive in picking unders on them. So a couple of things that we learned looking at last year. Uh, coming up in uh, our next NBA preview is going to be in part two of this podcast, and we're going to be looking at NBA coaches on the hot seat. So that's going to do it for this show today. Thank you all so much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, share the video, subscribe, like, leave a comment, all that stuff helps. Uh, podcast form, rate, review, subscribe wherever you can. If you want more of me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, I'm at primetimekline, twitch.tv slash primetimepk, and you can email the show couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. Uh, the show is also on Facebook. Coming up in part two of this, we're going to look at what happened in the NFL last week. We're going to look at the waiver wire. going to look at the bad fantasy football football team that might have beat yours and like I said NBA coaches on the hot seat is what we're going to be looking at in our next one so stay tuned for that thank you all so much and I will talk to you all later